Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Well, Scott Watley is currently in Texas. My name is Trevin Stoltzfus, and I'm going to be your guest host today. Scott is in Texas taking the fight to some, some hogs that are causing some damage, and I'm sure he's, uh, he's doing his part for some predator control and some hog control there. So I, I hope you guys uh, are as excited as I am about the upcoming turkey season. Um, I'm getting... I'm getting stoked. Uh, right now, I just want to paint the picture of what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the beautiful Rocky Mountains, and it is a gorgeous day here in Denver, Colorado, and I'm sitting about 12 stories up. Wow. This is amazing. If you guys want to call in and talk with us today, um, 303-477-5600 is the number. And I'm going to be quite honest. I was supposed to have a partner here today. Aaron Snyder with Kafaru was going to be joining me, and <laughs> Aaron's truck got broke into. Now, if you know Aaron, he's not the kind of person that you want to break into his truck. He's, uh, well, he's not a small man, and uh, he's not a timid man. So I hope for whoever broke into his truck's sake that they... Uh, that he never finds them. <laughs> anyway, today I wanted to, to kind of kick off the show with talking about turkey hunting. Um, Nebraska started last weekend, I believe, for archery, and I get the privilege of heading out uh, to southwestern Nebraska and taking my daughter and my nephew turkey hunting. And they, they have hunted before, uh, but neither one of them have, have taken a turkey yet, so we're pretty excited about that. And I don't know about you all, but... <laughs> It seems like it's been a long winter. We haven't had a, a hard winter, but it's been a long winter, and I'm ready to get out. And there's something about taking a kid and having them in that turkey blind with those turkeys still on the roost, and it's, it's still dark, and, and the woods wake up. And to have that kid or kids, uh, for the first time perhaps, see the woods come alive. And, you know, from the songbirds to the, to the deer to the squirrels to the to the turkeys gobble and there's there's something special about that in that experience and we as hunters are running a deficit and i'm not talking political here i'm talking about numbers we uh last year lost two million hunters and uh, we're not replacing those we're not recruiting new hunters and so i want to encourage you if you have the opportunity to take a kid or multiple kids uh, out to have an experience where they can see that for the first time, see the woods wake up and, and have a, an opportunity to, to experience it versus telling them about it or explaining what it's like, but when they experience it, that's, that's I, in my opinion, what really changes lives um, and changes opinions. You know, there's, there's the big debate now about uh, loving something Loving an animal yet wanting to go out and kill it. And, and that's a hard thing to explain to people. And, and the, in my opinion, the only way to do that is through experience and, and explain, help 
kids understand more and more connect with where their food comes from. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where kids think their their food comes from the grocery store and it's and it's wrapped in cellophane. And uh, when you go and have a hamburger and bite into a delicious double cheeseburger, you forget that something had to die in order for you to enjoy that. And and whether that's beef or or wild game. Um, it's important, in, in my opinion, that the younger generation understand that connection. So, um, I'm, pre- I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I just got a text from Scott. Let's see what Scott's talking. I guess they're doing really good in, in, in Texas. They are uh, uh, slaying them. So, congrats, Scott, on that. I, I hope you're enjoying it. And uh, we're having a great time here. Uh, KLZ 560, Sportsman's of Colorado radio show. And uh, so one of the things I look forward to most when I'm packing my truck, when I'm getting things ready, pulling the old calls out, dusting them off, working on my, my turkey yelps and clucks and all that, is looking forward to that time in the blind that I get to spend with my daughter and, that, uh, and my nephew. And, and a little backstory on that, for those of you that, that don't know me, um, I produce and host a show called Outback Outdoors. We're going into our 10th season on the Sportsman's Channel. And my dad didn't hunt. And I was fortunate enough to have some extended family that did. And that made all the difference for me in the world because they were able to introduce me to fishing and the outdoors, uh, hunting rabbits, things like that in southern New Mexico. And when my dad saw, and I got to give it up to my dad because he saw the interest, even though he didn't have that heritage of being raised as a hunter, he saw that interest and he uh, supported it. And so he actually picked up a rifle and started deer hunting till I was about 14 or 15, till I was old enough where I could go, go on my own with my grandpa and my uncles and my cousins. And uh, it's kind of neat because I get to take my nephew, and pass on that heritage not only to my daughter, but to my nephew Charlie. And uh, in in similar way, um, we've get to uh, <laughs> I get to pass it on down to that extended family. And and Charlie's got uh, younger brothers, Sam and Jack, and and I'm looking forward to the time when they pass their hunter safety course, and I can take them too. Um, we're gonna have to get some bigger blinds for all those kids, <laughs> but it'll be a good time. And then again, um, I get to join my good buddy, Colt, um, and Colt Hosick, who is uh, a good good friend. And uh, I met through through Adam Wells, one of the co-hosts of the show, also um, in Culberson, Nebraska, and uh, works with Go Light. And then uh, Chad Graham, and both of those guys. Chad is uh, has his son is Colt Cole. And then I believe Cole's going to take bring a buddy this year, and then Colt's son is Canyon, and uh, going from there we got somebody on the phone. Neil, all right, Neil, this is Trevin. You're on Sportsman of Colorado Radio. Right. How are you today? I just tuned in because I usually listen to the uh, the auto show for about for about thirty or forty years. But anyway, I'm down here in Colorado Springs, and I never had eaten a wild turkey. Can you tell me uh, what they taste like compared to the turkeys that you buy in the store? 
Are they better? Are they? Do they have more dark meat, which would be great because I love dark meat, or are they more gamey? Well, I, I what think do they taste like. Have you ever had venison? Uh, yeah, I think at. Uh, or elk, or or elk, or Neil. You could even freak. you could even say elk. You know, when people want a steak, they think of I want a steak and I want a ribeye or I want that, and then uh, they expect to have a flavor and and it prepared a certain way. But then when you switch over to wild game like an elk or or a deer or antelope or something like that, it's it's not the same flavor. It's still delicious. It's good, but it's different. Uh, a turkey okay. is. It's it's not what it's not a butterball. Wild turkey is not a butterball, but it's delicious. And what okay. I like to do, um, I kind of like foods a little spicy, Neil. So what I'll do is I'll take and I'll breast out that turkey. And you can you can use the drumsticks. You can use the whole turkey. There's just not on a wild turkey. There's not as much meat on a drumstick of as like what you would think on a, a store-bought turkey, okay? Right, so um, they're a lot leaner. Yes, sir, yes, they're sir. a lot leaner Now, I, I, I will take and I will um, I will slow cook the meat off off the thighs and the, and the legs. I'm not going to get as much meat again as a store-bought. But what I like to really do is breast that bird out, good, solid chunk of meat, and I cube that up. And then I'll take that and, with a little bit of jalapenos, okay, and and right. uh, maybe you can you can you can deep fry it if if you, if you want to be a little healthier you can take something like an avocado oil or a coconut oil and fry it in that but mix it with that the one thing about wild game you don't want to do is don't overcook it most right. people who have a bad experience with wild game it's because they overcooked it and medium rare is really where you want it um, so especially with venison and elk with a, a, a turkey it's it's not hard cuz there's especially if you chunk it up like I'm talking about where you dice it up into cubes it it's pretty simple and uh, to to cook up and uh, and eat and i think you'll really like it don't expect it to be like thanksgiving though okay right it, it's right. different but it's delicious and and neil there's something about connecting with going out and harvesting your own food that is and maybe it's a mental thing but for me well, I, I really like I, it. I I know, I know, but I I like to harvest it in King Supers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's shopping now. But here's one thing I do ask that you do, Neil, is that you understand where it comes from. That bird didn't come in cellophane when, like, you picked it up. I there know. was a live bird that had to die in order for you to have that meal. I know, and and, and, and that's okay. Is, is a little sad. But anyway, can I ask you another quick question? Sure, go ahead. A black about black powder. I'm a black powder shooter as well as archery. And I, well, I use a, did you ever hear of a, a York Imperial recurve bow? That's what I use. But anyway, getting back to the black powder, I uh, made this uh, Thompson center arm, came in a kit, and sure? boy, I, I turned out a beautiful beautiful uh, 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 black powder weapon, you might say. Now, it, but this one I have is a 45, it shoots 45 uh, uh, balls, you might say. Right. Uh, is it practical to shoot a turkey with a, something like that or not? 
Um, I mean, I, 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 I imagine you could. I would check the regulation, make sure it's legal. But you know, right. you can use black powder shotguns. There's uh, the ability to to use a. Oh yeah. So I mean, it doesn't. You could do that. Uh, and then basically you have a one-shot shotgun too, right? And that's right. that 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 would seem like make more more sense to me than shooting with a with a muzzleloader uh, forty-five caliber ball because I think <laughs> if you hit it where you need to hit it, there's you know then br- the breasts are going to be pretty much uh, minced meat. Right. And so I, I'm and forgive me, that. I'm not I I'm not extremely uh, knowledgeable on black powder and some of the different things, yeah, but uh, it sure it sure gives you a kick, though. Let me tell you, <laughs> you know, no pun intended. Right. Yeah. Well, you thanks. Know, it gives you a kick. Th- Neil, thanks for your call, buddy. Keep okay, listening, okay, Col- Sportsman of Colorado Radio, and that was okay. Neil talking turkey. I love it. I love it. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side of Sportsman's Colorado Radio, and we're going we're gonna to talk some more about hunting. Got to love it. I was hurt in a car accident. The bills were piling up, and my insurance company was giving me the runaround. I didn't know what to do, but then I called a lawyer I saw on TV. That lawyer had all the tools and the knowledge to get me 1.2 mil. Whoa, whoa. When you're hurt in an accident, you need Kevin Flesh of Flesh Law, a lawyer that's going to take your case seriously and not treat you like some get-rich-quick scheme. Serious car accidents are traumatic and can completely disrupt your life. Kevin Flesh has the integrity to help you get your life back on track. He will fight for you to get what you deserve, but he won't treat you like a lottery ticket. After you've been in an accident, call Kevin Flesh of Flesh Law at 303-806-8886 and make sure you will get someone who will do the right thing and get your life back. Hi, this is Scott Watley. Now many times you hear your radio host like me say something like, let me tell you about my friends at, then we'll talk about a sponsor that we truly believe in and endorse. Well in this case, let me tell you about a company that really is part of my family, Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. For over 13 years we have trusted our furry family members to this wonderful staff. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, they believe that all pets deserve to have a good life, and their goal is to help you keep your pets happy and healthy throughout their life by providing complete pet care services every day, all at one location. We love the Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center boarding lodge, and your pet will too. Your pet will receive one-on-one care and attention throughout their stay. Open seven days a week for your convenience, Check them out. Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, located at 8681 Lincoln Avenue in Lone Tree. 303-708-8050. 303-708-8050. Or check them out online at LoneTreeVet.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. We are back. Sportsman's of Colorado Radio, and I'm Trevin Stoltzfus, your guest host today, as Scott Watley is in the great state of Texas, working on some habitat management by killing some hogs. You know, a lot of people talk about verbiage in the outdoors, and I don't know if you're a hunter, I don't know if you're an outdoor enthusiast or what, I'm assuming maybe you are since you're listening. And there's the debate about the word killing or harvesting. And uh, that's kind of a kind of a hot button right now in the, in the outdoor industry. And, and uh, talking about that a little bit is, 
the reason that's a hot button is because with social media today and what we have to offer as a hunter, a lot of times we share our images. We share, um, you know, I go out, I turkey hunt. I, I want to share with my buddies uh, this 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 bird that I that I was able to call in and shoot or or whatever, and and that's all fine and good. But then the the difference is with social media is that we have a, a broader reach. And when I'm sharing with, uh, I, I'm on Instagram Live right now as, as we're doing this show, and, and I'm seeing all these uh, people come through and making comments. And, and these people, most of them I know uh, through 3D shoots, through hunting, through IS International Sportsman's Expo, just meeting them and stuff like that, or just from, you know, being in the local bow shops here, whether it be Rocky Mountain Archery, then my home shop up in... Fort Collins or down here in No Limits Archery down in Denver or, or any of that, you know, we can talk a lingo and not offend each other, of course. And, and when I'm talking about, you know, I was able to take this great so-and-so animal and share the exciting story, they get it. But when we're posting on social media and we're reaching a broader audience, they're not coming from the same platform. And so the hot button comes in that we as hunters uh, need to almost screen ourselves from how we how we talk about it. Um, I, I I'm not a fan of that in the way that we call killing harvesting. Well, um, if you go to the store and you buy T-bones, something died. In order for you to enjoy that, we talked about it in the last segment that in order for you to enjoy that meal, something had to die. Now, we don't see that. We're not in that slaughterhouse. We're, we, we don't see that event. We just see cellophane or uh, hamburger or whatever in that package, and we bring it home and cook it up. Well, for me to say I harvested something, some feel that that's softer. Some feel that that's uh, more acceptable to the general public. Now, call in. Talk to me. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. Let's talk about this because I think this is important. I'm not going to say harvest. When I go out to my garden and I get pick some tomatoes, then I'm harvesting some tomatoes. But when I sneak in to within bow range and I make a good shot on an animal and they expire quickly, I, I killed that animal. Now, I guess I am going to harvest the meat from that animal, so I guess in a way that that would that word would work, work there but um so that's an interesting hot button right now that that i catch myself saying oh which one should i say i don't want to offend because i definitely if you're a non-hunter i would rather be able to have sit down and have a conversation and explain to you why i hunt and why it's part of my lifestyle why my 90 percent of the protein that i eat is is wild game understanding where my my meat comes from and and the fact that Hunters and uh, the Pittman-Robertson Act and things like that have hunting is conservation. Now, understand that hunting itself is not conservation, but the, the act of hunting, the act of purchasing license and stuff like that goes to help conservation. As you realize that in the early 1900s, there was uh, less than, a, I think the number is less than 500,000 whitetails, and now there's over 10 million. It's because of hunters. There was uh, antelope were below 50,000, and now there's 
millions. So, um, you know, I, th there, there is a point to be said, and I don't want to offend someone where I can't have the conversation and, and explain to them why, why I'm a hunter and why I believe hunting is essential as we work to conserve species that we love. How do you explain that? How do you explain you love something so much yet you want to kill it? That's, that's, a, that's a tough subject. And uh, so as we as sportsmen, as we as hunters uh, reflect in, in a social media platform, wouldn't it behoove us to, to be careful? Sure. Wouldn't it behoove us to, to be thoughtful of how we represent ourselves as a whole? Sure it would. And, and for me, one of the things I hate is the stereotypical lumping together of a hunting community. Um, I throw the word Bubba around, and, and for me, Bubba contrives a guy that drives in his pickup. He's got a, a, a six-pack of beer on the seat next to him, and he's shooting animals out the window. I don't know any hunters like that. I don't. I don't know a one. And, um, and if I did, they wouldn't be in my circle because I wouldn't put up with it. Now, that's, I'm not an elitist. I'm just honest. So that's, uh, that's what I've got to say about that. If you've got some opinion, differing, differing or, or the same, call in 303-477-5600, and we can talk about it here on Sportsman of Colorado Radio. As we go forward, we are going to be joined by... South Cox uh, with stalker stick bows. I don't know if any of you guys are traditional archers out there. Um, he's going to be joining us in a later segment, along with Phil Mendoza is going to be calling in, who uh, is running No Limits Archery. Um, you know, it'd be cool as if somebody from, from Rocky Mountain Archery up in Fort Collins, Colorado, my home bow shop would call in. That'd be cool. Um, see if they're listening. Um, I, I, I think for me, traditional bow hunting, going back to South and, and kind of precluding what we're going to do there, um, for me, South uh, is a guy, well, I met South many years ago, and it's been fun for me to watch him as he took over stalker stick bows, and the guy's an artist the guys that loves woodworking and loves hunting bow hunting specifically and and this coming together this mingling of uh of of loves of interests uh it's been awesome so i think what we what we'll do is charlie should we take a break and then we'll come back with south why don't we do that so on the on, on the flip side of this break we'll come back with south cox of stalker stick bows and we'll talk about traditional archery and how he got into the business. This is Red Merrill for Phoenix Weaponry. Phoenix Weaponry is a weapon manufacturer that services the firearm enthusiast. From precision ARs to suppressors, Phoenix Weaponry can make your dreams come true. Phoenix Weaponry is a full-service gun shop that offers gunsmithing, coating, and modifications to your own weapon. Phoenix Weaponry, family-owned and operated right here in Colorado. If you can dream it, Phoenix Weaponry can build it. Call today, 720-340-2496. Again, that's 720-340-2496. Or visit their website, phoenixweaponry.com. Mention Sportsman of Colorado and receive 10% off your custom-built weapon. 
Littleton Heating and Air Conditioning is proud of their 45 years of HVAC service to Littleton, Highlands Ranch, and Denver metro area. Littleton Heating and Air Conditioning is your Lennox and Carrier expert heating and air conditioning contractor. They are proud to offer the finest heating, air conditioning, and indoor air quality products with prompt and professional customer service and satisfaction. Call today and mention Haystack Help Radio and save $25 off any repairs or $100 off your furnace installation. Call 303-798-3880. That's 3 303-798-3880 for your appointment today. Littleton Heating and Air, A-plus members of the Better Business Bureau and official Haystack Help registered company. Ladies, I know you're tired of walking into the local gun store and seeing the same old thing. So let me tell you about Rampart Firearms. Just a quarter mile up Highway 67 off of Santa Fe and Sedalia, you will find a great selection of guns, ammo, tactical, and personal defense weapons. And if you or your spouse love to hunt, Rampart Firearms is a great stop for all of your hunting needs. Shotguns, rifles, pistols, anything from predator hunting to your next big game trip. Head to Rampart Firearms at the foot of the Rockies. Open six days a week, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And you will only pay a 4% tax on your purchase. RampartFirearms.com, 720-468-0050. That's 720-468-0050. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. All right, we are back on Sportsman of Colorado Radio, and Aaron Snyder is still MIA, but do not fear, I have two amazing individuals with me. The first one I'm going to introduce is South Cox with Stalker Stickbows, good friend of mine, known him for a lot of years, and we also have Phil Mendoza with No Limits Archery and Alpha Bow Hunting. Guys, welcome. Thank hey, you. Hey, Trevin. So I'm going to jump in here with South first. Um, guys, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, Aaron, of course, was supposed to be with us. I don't know if you were listening earlier. Aaron Snyder with Kafaru, and he was going to kind of help me juggle this. And then his, he was at a 3D shoot this morning, and his truck got broken into in the parking lot. And oh, so he's dealing with that, and so um, I'm, I'm kind of uh, doing the juggle uh you know, the juggling the balls in here by myself, which isn't a bad thing. You know, you guys know I can talk. Um, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to have you guys on because, first of all, you're local and you got a lot of good things going on. We'll start with South. South, um, tell us. I've known you for a long time. Real quickly, let's let's kind of look back on how we met and 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 then what brought you from California out to Colorado with your stalker stick bows. Well, I. Um... I was born and raised in in uh, California, and you know, since I graduated from high school, was looking for a way out. <laughs> it just took me what twenty five or thirty years to well, almost thirty years to get out. I got kind of roped into a job and a career out there in construction, and then I had an opportunity to to buy what was then Stalker Recurves, and eventually became Stalker Stickbows. And uh, so I did that about 11 years ago and still kind of had my eye on, you know, moving out of state and talk, finally talked my wife into it. And, and we uh, bought a place out here 
I want to say 2015, and so it's been, you know, since 2012, we actually have been really seriously looking at it, and the big mule deer here in Colorado is what pulled me out. Well, you know, we joked around when you first moved out here how, I, I, and I said, of course, tongue-in-cheek, but that your intelligence, you, you went up two or three intelligence points just when you moved across the, the Rocky Mountains here. No question. No question. <laughs> <laughs> so your story is interesting because I love how you are, you love woodworking. Yeah. But you love bow hunting. Yep. Yeah. Two passions that are pretty close to equal for me. And well, uh, and that's all fine and good. I know a lot of guys that have both those, but you took it a step further and uh, the, you know, you took it into something that is, uh, God, it's, it's, it's artistry, really, when you're, when you're making custom bows and, and you're doing what you do. Um, what, what made you decide to do that? You know, it was an opportunity that kind of fell into my lap, honestly. And, and uh, it's something I don't think I ever would have embarked on had that opportunity not been presented to me. Um, I mean, there's a huge uh, equipment um, you know, purchase or manufacturing, like a lot of the tools that I have for building bows were custom made by the guy that I bought the business from. And uh, he was an old friend of mine, and it, he had actually, you know, gone a different direction with his career, and it had been sitting dormant for about 10 years. And uh, he had offered it to me at one point earlier, but I, I wasn't in the financial position at that point in time, and he wanted a lot more for it than what I could afford. And, and uh, so when it came around the second time, you know, I was kind of getting burned out of construction, and, and uh, I had just sold a rental, and, and so everything just kind of lined up and, you know, made a lot more sense. I was, you know, really avid compound hunter, though I'd done a lot of trad hunting, you know, off and on throughout the years, and, and honestly wasn't ready to put my compound down when this opportunity came and so it's kind of a gradual you know wean myself off the compound and and once i found that i wasn't going to starve to death <laughs> shooting a stick bow then i then i embraced it fully and and i haven't shot a compound now in i don't know five or six years it seems like maybe it hasn't been quite that long but uh it's been quite a while okay what you know i've shot traditional bow a little bit I've, mm -hmm. I've, I've killed a, well, I've, I've been lucky a few yeah, times. We all have. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and what for you, if, if I was to come to you with no traditional experience and say, Hey, mm -hmm. South, where do I start? What, what would you tell that new, that new beginner? Even, but let's say that they've been shooting a compound. So they're not okay. a beginner bow hunter, but they're sure. begin, beginning or they want to get back into traditional and in a hunting sense. They want to try and put, you know, critters on the ground, if you know what I mean. Right, right. Um, you know, I, having had some compound experience as a backdrop definitely helps because then we have a rough idea of what kind of physical abilities they have as far as their draw weight. And I typically recommend guys drop you know, 15 to 20 pounds in draw weight when transitioning from shooting a compound. So, like, when I was shooting my compound, I was shooting uh, 75 pounds, and I actually dropped down to in the high 40s and then worked my way back up to the mid-50s. Gotcha. And so I think a lot of guys, what happens is um, they think that, you know, they're going to be able to draw a similar draw weight when they go to shooting a stick bow, and it just is not the case. Um, you, you know, you're not, there's no let off. You're holding that weight and, uh, it's a lot different than shooting a compound. Um, 
and then also I would talk to them just about their kind of their commitment level because if if they're you know not sure if they're like eh you know I want to try this thing but I'm not really sure I would probably recommend spending you know 150 200 bucks and getting like a sage samic recurve you know start out on something like that at like 40 pounds it's a um, you know much smaller investment than buying a custom bow right out the gate and um, then you could you know transition at that point you could work on building your form um, you know start out like in the say low 40s there and draw weight and and then find out you know do you, is this something you enjoy and uh, I mean nine times out of ten once you start flinging arrows out of a stick bow you're going to get hooked and uh, you know it's a lot harder than shooting a compound, but the reward you know is there. It's one of the just like anything. You know if you have to work at it and earn it, you're going to appreciate it more. And uh, then at that point, you'll have a good idea you know of of what you like, what you don't like about the bow that you're shooting, and and then we can kind of dive into a custom bow. And I, I you know I give a lot of customers that that same advice there. And Phil. Phil Mendoza here uh, was with us also with No Limits Archery here in Denver. Phil, you you have customers come into the shop all the time, and um, w you know they're well. Uh, should I shoot uh, traditional? Do I do a compound? And this is the customer that has no experience. What? Where do you? How how do you direct that that person? Well, first off, Trev, I I've never met South. I just want South. I'm a huge fan, right? So. Yeah. Not, you, not too many people I get excited to say hi to in the hunting industry, man. And I, I just want to say hi. I've been a fan for a long time. So nice. well, next time you're in the Denver the area. That, I've been enjoying the stuff you've been doing as well. So it's a mutual. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But so going back to the to the beginner bow hunter, Trev, so what we like to do, you know, my, my son started at three. My, other, my youngest son is now at about three. I truly believe people should learn to shoot a, bow, shoot a recurve or a traditional type bow first, right? Recurves are easier to begin with from a form, body alignment, and shot execution standpoint. So so even though we primarily sell compound in our, our shop, the foundational part of archery that is just your stance, your body alignment, and understanding how to position yourself and align yourself, and, and just the act of, of what is just shooting the boat from a starter level, it's, it's done so much easier with the recurve. As they progress from there, then you can identify, like Sal said, is it, do they have the time and the commitment to stick with traditional archery because it is a higher level of commitment that you need to pursue that? And and if, they, if they're if they not sure, but they they kind of get drawn to bells and whistles, well, sometimes the compound bows are more the direction. Um, I, I'm i a huge fan of both. Okay, I, I'm from a from a work standpoint, my, me personally, I just, I'm limited with time now. I, I need to kind of focus on the compound. I, I don't have the time to really be effective and ethical how I would like to hunt to go the traditional route. So personally, that's, that's where I am. But from a starter standpoint, I, I still believe put a recurve in people's hands first on a lighter poundage bow and, and get them started that way. So alignment, you talk about alignment. So, so South chime in on this. I, sure. and, and, you know, this might go back to, we were really fortunate where we live. Think about what we have. We've got no limits, you know, south up in Estes Park. We've got uh, we've got such resources. Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. If you're into trad bows and you need uh, some some coaching, you got Tom Clump Senior. The I call him the Trad Whisperer. You know, we've got some great resources. I see a lot of people though in trad bow. They've got this bend in their back, and it's almost like they can't stand up straight to shoot it. Now, 
when you're shooting a trad bow and I see an Olympic style shooter, what's uh, south with the difference in form there? Should we be trying to shoot a bow with proper alignment, whether it's a compound or a traditional bow? Is there a difference in that form? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there definitely is. This, and I'm kind of, you know, working outside my area of expertise. I can certainly shoot a bow, but I'm, I'm no coach like Tom Clum by any stretch. But there is definitely, um, you know, a difference in, in shooting form. Um, you know, a lot of the hunters shoot a canted bow where it's kind of, you know, tilted at a slight angle um, to get, you know, visually better clearance past the, uh, the sight window there of your bow, of your handle. Um, whereas Olympic shooters are shooting a sight, so, of course, they're going to be shooting more vertically. I think what you're seeing, Trevin, is a lot of guys are kind of – um, that are shooting a stick bow, they're going to be canting it, and a lot of them are leaning kind of forward and like almost into it. And to me, that almost spells like you're shooting too heavy of a draw weight and you're kind of leaning into it, and, and that oftentimes will shorten your draw length uh, kind of to compensate for that heavy poundage there. Mm, okay, okay, I see that. Because, you know, I shoot at uh, a lot of 3D shoots, and, and then you look around, you see some of these archery guys, and it looks like they're sneaking. When they shoot, they look like they're sneaking up on the animal, and it's a 3D mm-hmm. target. Right. <laughs> so yep. for me, I've always thought form is form. You know, as, as Phil, maybe you might talk to this about the, the structure of that T positioning as your as your bow is in, in you know in your in your hand and you're pulling back and your 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 spine should be straight and you know all of those things. Is that the same in in the the typical traditional archer? Because if you look at an Olympic style archer, they're very squared. Yeah. No. I. I believe that, like, you, when we get people started, we get them started standing up vertical, understanding that, um, you know, the lean, I think, is more catered towards what you see the hunting crowd do. But when we get our start shooter started in our entry-level courses and, and progressing, whether it's Joe Ad or whatever the case is, everything is, is more Olympic kind of uh, based or they follow that curriculum. Sure. Personally, sure. man, I just think there's, there's a huge disconnect in the coaching structure in general because olympic level archers have that structure okay they have that uh protocol the the curriculum in 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 when you talk it to bow hunters a lot of those things don't apply that the, that the olympic level style coaching is, is is teaching some of it does a lot of it does but not all of it and then you get into even traditional uh hunting within you know, curriculum. And, and again, Tom, somebody that I, I would, I'm, I'm with you from a level of respect and acknowledgement that he is, uh, he's a traditional whisperer. I, I would lean people to, to look at, look at Tom's work, lean on his facility mm-hmm. and his instructors from mm-hmm. a coaching standpoint, we can get people started in the right direction and help them kind of choose. Obviously, again, I, I mentioned, we kind of focus more on, on compound archery of which, and even more so the vast number of the customers that come in our doors are bow hunters. And that's where with a lot of the coaching that, that I'm starting to put out now is, is trying to absorb or fill some of that middle gap from you sell somebody a bow, you get them set up and, and then you, uh, and then you send them out the door, you know, right, and then they're right. left to wonder, okay, what's in between, between now, obviously, you know, they've got to practice. They know they've got to practice, but what's in between understanding how to truly determine your effective range uh, understanding how to practice, what to prepare for, how to structure yourself in a standpoint mentally as well as 
from your current capabilities, all those things, there's, there's lacking structure. So it's, it's a touchy subject for me on that. I truly believe that there could be better. And specific, when you look at the vast number of what drives the industry, it's bow hunters. And that's where the biggest lack of, of structure, I see it. That's what right. I see anyway. Sure, sure. And, and South? Here I'm. I'm at a point now. Let's say I'm that customer, and I'm looking for something. Uh, I've gotten a little basic instruction. How, how do I? How do I get a hold of you? How do I figure out what I want you to? What I want to get from you? I, I want one of these beautiful stalker stick bows. Uh, t- walk me through that process. Sure. Um, so a lot of guys will call me, you know, and even if they have a good idea of what bow specific bow model they want, they're you know, if you look at my, my social media, my Instagram uh, page or, or Facebook, it's, you're just plastered with all kinds of uh, what a lot of people refer to as wood porn. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of beautiful woods I use and a lot of different combinations. And, and guys will call up and say, man, you know, I like this or I like that, and, and, uh, or I'm not really sure. I just want you to build it. So what I, what I really like to do is, is have guys screen capture pictures of the bows that appeal to them, even if it's a half dozen and there's, you know, a varied range of wood combinations. And that's a great starting point for me to kind of give them some direction on wood choices. And then, you know, if they've got some, uh, um, if they have some specific shooting styles or they want to shoot a longbow, but then they're thinking about, you know, maybe wanting to shoot a recurve down the road, I'll steer them towards one of my models that you can interchange longbow or recurve limbs with. Uh, so there's a, you know, there's a whole bunch of different options, but really the best thing to do is, um, is just to call me here at the shop and then, you know, which is that phone numbers on my website, stalkerstickbows.com. And then I can talk you through, um, much more efficiently and answer questions more completely than you know communicating sure. via uh, social media or email. Right, sure. Well, we we can you guys stick around through the break? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're we're going to take a quick break uh, on the on the flip side of here at Sportsman's of Colorado Radio Show. We're going to dive a little deeper into this. I've got a couple of the questions for you guys. We'll be right back. If you're looking for great deals on outdoor equipment and clothing, we've got you covered. Hi, this is Bill Paddock, owner of the Outdoorsman's Attic, your outdoor gear consignment headquarters. You'll save 20, 30, 40, even 50% on previously owned outdoor gear for the fisherman, hunter, and camper. We also sell live bait, firearms, and ammo. If you're doing a little spring cleaning, bring in your gear to the Outdoorsman's Attic. We'll sell it for you and put cash in your pocket. You can also pick up your hunting and fishing licenses right here at the store. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor gear needs is the Outdoorsman's Attic, located at 2650 West Hampton Avenue in Sheridan, Colorado. 303-781-3626. That's 303-781-3626. Or visit us online at outdoorsmansattic.com. Mention Sportsman's of Colorado and receive 20% off all your outdoor clothing. Hi, this is Scott Watley. Let me tell you what I love about Stack Optical. They are truly one of the last optician-owned, family-owned optical stores. At Stack Optical, you can be confident you'll receive personal attention. For over 50 years, Alan Stack has shown he really cares about making his customers happy. Stack Optical also has a beautiful new location at 2233 South Monaco Parkway in Denver. Free and easy, up-close parking. Stack Optical has an on-site eyeglass production lab. Whether you need office eyewear, 
or a new set of shooting or golf glasses, Stack Optical has the solution with the Stack Sport Pack. Give them a call today and ask for their $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. That's 303-321-1578. Your eyes and vision are one of the most important things in life. I'm confident at Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. That's 303-321-1578, stackoptical.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. We are back. Sportsman, the Colorado radio show. I'm your host, Trevin Stoltz, because I'm not really your host. I'm your guest host, let's be honest. Um, Scott Watley is in Texas shooting hogs. So I'm a little envious of him. And he texted me this morning and said he has... Uh, he's loaded them up like cordwood. So good for him. Bacon on the Barbie from Scott Watley. We'll send out the invitation and have to do a barbecue. So we're back with South Cox, Stalker Stick Bows. Um, uh, I am fortunate enough to be uh, within a 35-minute trip of you, South. Yep. Um, and so it's it's been fun. Um, we've always just interacted over... Yeah, it's seeing each other at shows, maybe a few emails here and there. So it, um, it's it's nice. To, you you can actually we can actually see each other more often. So that's fun. And Phil, no limits archery. If you're looking for some something in the bow hunting or just you just want to try out archery, no limits archery in Denver is the place to go. Check them out at nolimitsarchery.com. And uh, all right, it's turkey time. What's you guys' plan for turkeys? They don't have antlers. Okay, South. <laughs> I knew that was going to come from you, and I should have said, Phil. What I should have, I know, I knew that was going to happen. Phil, what's your plan for turkeys? Uh, well, my oldest son Dom and I are heading to Nebraska next weekend, so yeah, we are too. Spend a couple days out there. Yeah, where are you going to yeah, be? So You're going to be Southwest. We're, yeah, we're just going to be probably an hour east of you, Trevor. Okay, is, is okay. Where you go. Yeah, yeah, it's and that I, I was talking about it earlier on the radio. How cool Turkey is as an avenue to introduce people to the to, to hunting, to, to the outdoors, because, um, you know, Nebraska, Dom, I'm sure, will be hunting. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, that opportunity for them as a young young hunter to, to be in a situation in a controlled environment. What I mean by that is a blind. Um, and, sure. you, you know, you keep them warm because we're supposed to get some snow next weekend. It's supposed to look pretty. Oh, really? Yeah, it's supposed to. Yeah, and we're camping out. So, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm the smart dad or not, but I, I am bringing some extra sleeping bags for the blinds because the one thing I don't want my daughter and my nephew to be is super cold because then they have a, a bad experience. But it's a great activity for, uh, for new hunters. Uh, Phil, what, what's, what's your one adv- piece of advice for somebody taking a kid out first time? Um, the patience thing is the biggest thing for me, right? It, I've, I've struggled with, you know, my son's very, very proactive and very ambitious and very excited, and and I love it. But at the same time, it gets to the point where I have to say, just, just stop, just let me, let me do this or let me fix this. <laughs> and the more times that I've let him kind of dabble a little bit, hey, Dad, I want to call. And, and instead of being restrictive, I mean, just, just have fun with it, you know. Right. It's, that's where it's gotten to be more enjoyable with me is when I've been able to sit back, not take it so serious because when I – my hunting time has gotten more limited over the years and 
this time I just got to reflect, sit back and, and take it a step back and say, we just get here to have fun. If we, if we get something great, if not, he wants to call, he wants to interact, he wants to be a part of it, then that's, that's what we're going to do. So just, just be patient with it, you know, and, uh, and enjoy it. Yeah. South, you've got some yep. young girls. Yep. And uh, how are you, what's your plan? Or I'm sure you're already somewhat immerse them in the outdoors but uh, as far as hunting and stuff what do you see that with the girls well my youngest one i don't know that she's going to have very much of an interest in it but uh my second the older one um and she's eight now she's all in i mean from the very moment that i i put a pumpkin down in front of her and we were uh carving a jack lantern man she was elbow deep you know (laughs) gutting that pumpkin and and uh, I had a, a deer um, there a while back that she, uh, she got to help me process, and it was all that I could do to keep her out of the gut pile. So she's going to be all in. I know that. And, you know, as soon as I can get her there in the field, then, um, then uh, she's going to be all in. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have a hunting partner out of her. Yeah. Well, is there anything that, I mean, is there a first hunt you're looking forward to? I mean, are you setting the scene as far as that first initial experience with her, or have you thought think, much about it? Yeah, no, I have, I have. Um, and I think that, I mean, what I'd love to do and what I'm going to do are two different things. I'd love <laughs> to take her on a backpack hunt, but, you know, you got, I got to realize that, you know, the realistic, more realistic thing would be to do a small game hunt, you know, throw a... Uh, a, a backpacking stove and some hot chocolate um, in the backpack and, and take her out and, and uh, you know, even if just half a day and kind of do the slow immersion rather than, uh, you know, gonzo, you know, week-long trip, even if it was just a car camping trip and right. kind of let her figure it out kind of gradually rather than, a, um, you know, a, a kind of overwhelming immersion there. Okay, you guys got to tell me if I'm a bad father. Are you ready? So... <laughs> This weekend, um, we're looking at the forecast. Last last week, or I mean last year, turkey hunt, and I brought my nephew out and my daughter. That was their first year, and they hunted with a crossbow because it was that early season, even before uh, uh, you know youth uh, youth shotgun. Um, and we stayed in a motel. It was pretty simple. Uh, it was pretty easy. Um, this year, we're staying in tents. It looks like it's going to snow. Avery's going to be hunting with a bow, and then. Saturday will open youth shotgun, so we are. I am going to take a shotgun, but um, I don't want it to be too easy. You know what I'm saying? Does, does that make mm-hmm. sense? I want to each year. I want to push that limit because I don't want them to think. That, I I know people that their kids killed bigger deer than I have, and they're 14 years old because their dad did all the work, and God bless them. But it's almost too easy. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely, definitely. I think you're taking the right approach where you're doing kind of a gradual transition in the challenge level there. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you might get child welfare services called on you for the tent, you know, and snow and all that. But <laughs> Yeah, but we got but, good sleeping bags. We're, we're, it's, it's, car t- it's car camping. It's not, sure. uh, it's not, it's going to be a big canvas like a wall tent, okay? I'm going to have some heaters that are available. There's going to be, they're going to be on cots. I mean, it's not what we think of when I say tent. It's going to be pretty nice. But I still want to ha- them have to get out of that sleeping bag, and it's close to free freezing and they got to get their clothes on and it's still it's really early in the morning and you know what i'm saying i I want them to experience a little bit of that 
yet, uh, you know, n- not have it come too easy. Yeah, yeah. My, I think my, my son Dom last uh, last two years with, with Turkey, he started to cut you off there. We, we I, that's my exact dilemma, Trev. So he's tagged out each of the last two years within the first hour of us sitting in the blind. First so, hour. The first hour. Wow. We, I mean, literally sat there. And my calling's terrible. I, I, I'm not. A, I'm not a turkey caller. Okay, I, this has been very evidently pointed out to me, which I'm fine with. But because the proof is in the pudding, I've laid out two turkeys for my son, 20 yards, and he shot him with a crossbow. Sure. And the first one was 35, 40 minutes in. The last one was about last year was about an hour when we were sitting in the blind. And I struggle with that because it's the same thing. I don't want it to be too easy. Now on the flip side. I've, I've been able to take him elk hunting with me more on the, the car camping deal, go for a couple of days on a weekend. Mm-hmm. But from, you know, an hour before sunup to 45 minutes, an hour after sundown, he's hiking, he's with me all the time. And both of those trips that he's been on, we've not harvested anything. We've not shot anything. Okay, so, so he's seen, the, he's seen the, the difficulties, the struggle, that it's, it's not yes. super easy. Yes, and okay. that's where I'm okay with it because I, I struggle with the turkey side because, like, man, there's any time I've turkey hunted before, it's like sometimes you don't even see anything. The two times I take him out, we just two toms on the ground. Right. So, but, again, on the flip side, the thing that, that gives me promise that I'm, and I'm good with is because we'll hike somewhere and we'll get to a point where I want to get to. I'm like, man, I hope I didn't push him too far. We'll sit down, and he's pointing to another distant meadow he can see off. And let's go over there, you right. know. So it's it's something that I think it's they're going to feed off what you what you do is what I'm seeing and but yes the the patience and the little bit of a struggle I'm glad that we haven't uh, had quick success the, the the couple trips I've taken in big well game. yeah that's good and so what it, that tells me is that if I if we don't get anything down then I'm going to freaking get a hold of you, get a hold of you and uh, and then I'm sending the kids with you <laughs> no no. Well, Aaron is still MIA. Uh, Aaron Snyder, as I said before, is supposed to co-host this whole deal with me. Co-guest host, I guess, would be the way to say it. And he got his truck broken into. And, and uh, that's another thing that's uh, pretty nice to have is a company like Kafaru right here in our own backyards that makes such great backpacks. I know, Phil, you use them. Um, yeah. And we have I, I, I used them for the first time last year, and I was really, really pleasantly surprised uh, with the fit and everything. So I was hoping Aaron would be here. But unfortunately, you know, life happens. So uh, we wish him the best, and we hope that nothing nothing got stolen. And I hope, he, for the guy's sake, that he doesn't catch who broke into it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I almost hope he does. I got to imagine in, you know, knowing Aaron, he was probably hauling around a bunch of camera gear and, yeah. and all that. So right. I, I imagine his wallet's hurting pretty bad right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got a little less than a minute. Anything else you guys want to add before we sign off? Uh, Big game draw is Monday, so don't forget to put in. I just burnt 11 elk points, so uh, I could have just about drawn my unit twice. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. So, man, great time to be a hunter, especially in Colorado. So, you know, there's there's a ton of resources and um, social media you know, heart store store locations. It, it's just it's a great time right now. I think, okay. in my opinion, to, to be a hunter. Well, we're signing off here, guys. Thanks for joining me, Sportsman of Colorado Radio. My name's Trevin Stoltzfus. Uh, we have Phil, No Limits Archery, and South with Stalker Stickbows. Find them on Instagram, Facebook.
and, and the web. We'll talk to you next week. expressed on KLC 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.